hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. As always, I am your host, Toby. Uh, Today, we have another mailbag in our series of mailbags. I just think um, it's always helpful to uh, answer folks' questions, especially folks who are reaching out um, who are looking for um, some advice. So hopefully you find those helpful. We cover a lot of uh, interesting players. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt is a frequent, uh, frequently requested person. Uh, so I delve a little bit into him. I take a look at who might be uh, the Herman Marquez of this year's second half. So some guys who are showing um, some really nice skills and maybe with a little bit of uh, batted ball luck. Um, could produce a really nice uh, run here in the second half. Um, And then also taking a look at uh, just your regular old Cesar Hernandez's and uh, Elisir Hernandez, who is a guy I really like. So um, some uh, interesting uh, folks that we're covering. Hope you enjoy that a lot. Before we delve into that, I just wanted to touch base a little bit. A couple podcasts ago, I mentioned Uh, the difference between the ERA this year compared to um, last year. And right now we have a 0.4 differential, run differential, between ERA this year through July 3rd compared to last year through July 3rd. So this year it's at 4.49 compared to 4.09 last year. And I just think it's important to emphasize that because the pitching landscape has, has changed so dramatically with uh, the the reduced ball, the reduced drag ball um, that we have, and it just really is something you need to factor in when thinking about how we analyze not just not just pitchers because of the ERA differential, but also hitters um, because you know home runs are not um, you know you need to hit more home runs in order to compete uh, in your roto leagues, for instance. But it may not be as hard to find those twenty to twenty five home run guys. Um, as it has been in past years, and so it's just important to think about um, think about that, um, and also when you're thinking about your pitchers, and you hear like, ah, this guy's got like, you know, a four ERA. Normally, we think that that's terrible, and you know, it probably is, but it can be very useful, especially in deeper leagues, um, in uh, in the landscape that we have right now. And so, just make sure that you're factoring that in. And it's just been crazy to see like cores. I feel like is just a uh, the epitome of what we have right now where there's just such, you know, the offense is just staggering. Like when I think about the last week that's taken place and just some of the terrible, terrible pitching performances um, that we've seen, I feel like there's just such little room for error for starting pitchers now. And I actually think one thing that we're going to start to see is, you know, some separation between some of the aces, you know, the guys that we know are really, really good and some of those guys who have been kind of hanging around and, and been ace-like because I think that, um, you know, that, that level of talent that they've been able to show on a consistent basis is going to, um, is going to be able to, uh, in, in, in as much as you can right now, weather uh, this storm of offensive baseball, whereas some other guys, I just, I'm just not sure if they're going to be able to, to, if they have the talent to be able to keep it up. So it'll certainly be very, very interesting, but... Um, definitely don't start any starting pitchers whatsoever in cores. I think that is a good idea. I don't care who it is. It's just a terrible, terrible idea. When Walker Bueller and Hinjin Ryu can't even do anything in cores, I think it's just, just pack it up. Just don't do it. 
stay away. Um, all right. Well, I hope you uh, enjoy the podcast. If you do enjoy this podcast or any of the other podcasts, please do leave a five-star rating and review uh, on iTunes. Uh, really, really appreciate it. As usual, uh, you guys are uh, phenomenal at that. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's just, you know, you can follow me on Twitter, at BatFlipCrazy. That's the best place to engage with me. Hit me up there. That's the best place to follow my stuff, look for my tweets, try to put things out on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, let's just dive into it. Let's get this party started. First up, we are going to start the mailbag with a question from uh, at Dan McEwen, a friend of the pod as well. Great guy, big Rays fan. Uh, he asks about Edwin Encarnacion and his 207 BABIP. So let's take a deep dive into uh, Edwin, the newest or one of the newer Yankees. Uh, 226 batting average, 341 OBP, 59 runs, 24 home runs. 55 RBI, zero stolen bases, not surprising. In 343 plate appearances, the O swing at 27.2%, better than league average. The walk percentage, way better than league average at 13.7%. Uh, 8.6% is league average. That seems a bit high uh, given the plate discipline we've seen so far this year. Uh, the in-zone contact rate is actually down five points from last year at 79.6%. Overall contact only down 1% at 74.7%, but that means that he's making more contact on pitches outside the zone, which isn't necessarily a great thing. Uh, His CSW is 27.9%, so slightly below league average. The K rate at 21%, slightly below league average as well. So that seems uh, mostly uh, legitimate there. I think you could expect to see some regression in that walk percentage there. Uh, given the O swing is not at any type of elite level and that walk percentage is. Hard hit rate actually down 4% from last year at 38.4%, right around league average. Uh, Hard hit rate has gone up a lot uh, this year league-wide. Ground ball percentage at 30.6%. That is uh, 5.5% lower than previous years. And I think that really reflects where the power for Encarnacion is coming from. He's obviously had power before, but he's hitting the ball in the air more. The ball goes further. His home run per fly ball rate is up about 2%, uh, which is pretty consistent with the overall increase in the league uh, home run per fly ball rate. So, you know, not surprising we're seeing that high home run total already for Encarnacion. Statcast data, 366 expected WOBA, 359 WOBA, 237 expected batting average, 226 batting average. 28 barrels, 8.2% barrels per plate appearance, and 113 mile per hour max exit velocity. Um, So generally speaking, I mean, Encarnacion's BABIP is low. Uh, It reflects a little bit of bad luck. You can see that difference between that expected batting average and the batting average, although it's not even that significant, I think, where you could say that bad luck is involved. Uh, I think a lot of it is what you see is he's hitting more fly balls. His 50% of his batted balls are fly balls, and so a lot of those, if they're not going for home runs, uh, are outs, and BABIP does not count home runs. So uh, for that reason, I think you're seeing the really low BABIP. I would expect that to continue as long as he continues to hit uh, that percentage of fly balls. Um, he's also We've also seen a little bit of give in that uh, contact rate. Uh, and he's hitting the ball, um, hitting more pitches outside the zone. His uh, his O contact is up, and so he may not be making as quality of contact 
um, uh, as good a quality of contact on those pitches as he might be otherwise. So that may explain the low BABIP. So, you know, maybe we see a little bit of a bounce back there, but it does reflect a little bit of a change in batted ball profile. What does the bat see moving forward? Uh, the bat rest of season projection is 254 uh, with a 348 OBP, 41 runs, 19 home runs, 44 RBI, one stolen base. Upcoming schedule, very nice for Encarnacion. Three straight series at home at Yankee Stadium against Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Colorado. Uh, so pretty much two of those three are not great pitching staffs. Um, you know, o- overall, Encarnacion is really, you know, the um, the Stanton injury, I think, is big for him just in terms of continuing to get an opportunity on a regular basis in the Yankees lineup. He should do fine from a power perspective. I think the batting average projection may be a little high um, given, you know, what we see in terms of some of the changes in his um, underlying batted ball profile, the higher fly ball rate. If that continues, I would expect that batting average to be lower. So Encarnacion, good source of power, not a good source of batting average. That's not surprising. I think the uh, counting stats will continue to be there uh, in the Yankees lineup. All right, up next, we have a question from at Pete My Slash Line, uh, one of uh, a really great, you know, um, folks on Twitter uh, who follow me had, tend to have great Twitter handles. Uh, and Pete, my slash line is certainly one of them. Daniel Murphy, he asks, we had high expectations with him going to cores and he must be healthy now. Is he going to beast anytime soon? Uh, so let's take a look. We actually took a look at Murphy probably a month or so ago uh, when he was struggling. Uh, he's now at 277, 327 OBP, 25 runs, six home runs, 43 RBI, one stolen base. Uh, in 227 plate appearances. What's key to note there is just the RBI total is massive. Uh, 43 RBI in 227 plate appearances. If you were to extend that out um, you know, to 650 plate appearances or so, you'd be looking at close to 120 RBI. So that's certainly uh, really nice right there. O swing at three, uh, 33.8%. Uh, walk percentage at 7.5%. Uh, Z contact, everything is pretty much in line with where he normally is. Uh, great contact skills, 86.9% overall contact, 91.3% in zone. His CSW, not surprisingly, is much lower uh, than league average at 25.1%. K rate, very low. Hard hit rate, not that high. He is not a, a stat cast darling by any stretch of the imagination, Murphy. Ground ball rate, low, as you'd expect from Murphy, one of the uh, guys who is given a lot of credit for the fly ball revolution. Uh, Statcast data, a 272 expected WOBA, which is terrible, but a 328 WOBA. I think it's important to note that uh, baseball savants expected metrics don't do a great job, generally speaking, in cores. Uh, if I'm, this is just anecdotal. I have not done a study on that, but I tend to remember there always being pretty big discrepancies between hitters and pitchers in cores when it comes to those expected metrics. So um, something to consider there, since those um, those expected metrics at baseball savant are not park factored, and cores we know has a huge. Uh, BABIP advantage uh, for hitters. Um, 228 expected batting average, but a 277 batting average. Uh, four barrels, 1.8% barrels per plate appearance, 106 
mile per hour max exit velocity. So not, you know, not StatCast is not great at all, but I would not really pay attention to StatCast much for Daniel Murphy. I know we know the guy can hit for average and he's been doing that. You ask if he's going to beast anytime soon. Over the last 30, 30 games, he's hitting 333. Um, and that in today's baseball is incredibly valuable. And so he really is already beasting out. He's got that uh, huge RBI total already. You weren't expecting power from him probably coming into the season, but you know, the 18, 15 to 18 home runs that he's on pace for for right now, um, is, you know, it's not terrible. Um, and you know, who knows what we're going to get. I mean, cores right now is just nuts. Like the overall slash line, uh, at cores, I saw it on Twitter the other day. It's like 315 batting average in cores. It's unbelievable. And that's like everybody. Um, so that's just something to, to note. I mean, you can't do any better than having some cores hitters, um, in your lineup this summer. Um, so, uh, one thing for Murphy, he's hitting 314 at home and 240 on the road. And so that really, again, highlights how valuable Coors is. He may be even be a guy that you want to think about, um, sitting on the road, um, and playing only at home to really maximize, uh, the value that he can provide. So that would be my one, uh, little tidbit on Murphy is you may want to consider that if you uh, are not in a super deep league. His uh, best bat rest of season projection, 299 batting average, 352 OBP, 36 runs, 10 home runs, 38 RBIs, one stolen base in 263 plate appearances. So the key there is 263 plate appearances. We're a little past midway uh, in the season. Obviously, Murphy has some injury concerns, but if he is able to stay, stay healthy for the rest of the season, that would be even better. Upcoming schedule, two home series to start the second half, and Colorado has more home games in the second half than in the first half. Uh, Cincinnati, uh, four, I believe, uh, with the Giants, including a doubleheader, and then at the Yankees. So three really nice series to start off for uh, Murphy and the Rockies. Up next, uh, at Conman83 with a K, uh, asks about Austin Meadows. We did cover Austin Meadows, or I covered Austin Meadows about a month, maybe a little bit more than a month ago. A guy I really, really liked, but at the time we were expecting some significant regression since uh, you know, his BABIP was really high. And then if you looked at his expected WOBA versus his WOBA, there was a huge differential there. Not that he was bad, but um, just not as good as he was producing. Remember, this is his first full season in the majors. So uh, 286 batting average for Meadows, 360 OBP, 35 runs, 12 home runs, 41 RBI, eight stolen bases in 12 attempts. Uh, so not a great Right there, but uh, the eight stolen bases is nice. 292 plate appearances so far. The O swing is solid at 27.7%, so that's uh, about 2.5% better than league average. Walk percentage right around league average at 8.9%. Might expect that to go up a little bit um, given you know the O swing being better than league average. In-zone contact rate and contact rate right around league average slightly above, which is nice for a guy who's hitting you know, for a decent amount of power uh, so far this year. Uh, CSW at 30.5%, so slightly uh, higher than league average. 
uh, and that's also reflected in a K rate that's slightly better, the, uh, slightly above league average at 23.6%. Hard hit rate at a really nice 45.1%. Ground ball rate at a really nice 33.2%. Uh, 359 expected WOBA, 363 WOBA, 278 expected batting average, 286 batting average, 22 barrels at a 7.5% barrels per plate appearance, 115.4 miles per hour. Uh, on his uh, max exit velo, which is really nice right there. Anytime a guy can get over 115 miles per hour, that's a really good sign. I think one of the things that I see with Meadows is not even for this year, um, but really as like a keeper guy and a guy heading into next year, uh, I just love what I'm seeing um, from Meadows. You got the high max exit velocity. Uh, He's still... um, you know, uh, he's he's a young guy. Uh, he's got time to develop and improve. The barrel rate is not necessarily, it's solid, but it's not great. I think we could see some improvement with that, um, you know, right there as he develops. And so he's a guy who, for the rest of the season, I think he's going to be solid. I would expect something similar to what he's been able to provide on a per game, per plate appearance basis right now. But I think in keeper and dynasty leagues, he's definitely a guy I would be targeting. Obviously, the price will be high, uh, but I really like uh, what I see with Meadows, especially just the quality of contact metrics coupled with you know the fact that he's hitting the ball in the air. Uh, he's got you know above league average uh, contact and plate discipline skills already as a young guy. So um, you know, a lot to like there. The best rest of season projection for Meadows, 278 batting average, 341 OBP, 38 runs, 12 home runs, 37 RBI, six stolen bases. Uh, a nice schedule after the break at Baltimore for four games, uh, at the Yankees, uh, and then uh, against the, um, uh, the White Sox at home. So a nice uh, start to the season. So maybe uh, maybe he'll get a little uh, kick up here uh, once um, the second half starts. But again, a lot to like there in terms of the power-speed combination and even batting average and OBP combination uh, for Meadows. You'd like to see maybe a little bit better production from the counting stats, but uh, so it goes. Um, is Aaron Nola back? Uh, who is your SP2 after Scherzer for rest of season? This is from at high JD Fens. Uh, first, let's take a dive into, uh, well, actually, first, who is your SP2 after Scherzer, Scherzer uh, for rest of season? If I had to choose somebody for rest of season, I would probably go with Garrett Cole. Uh, I've been on the Cole bandwagon um, you know, all year just looking at his metrics, he's been very, very consistent, gives up a little bit, a few too many home runs than we might want to see because of uh, the fly ball rate, but he's just been dominant in terms of, uh, you know, CSW and very consistent. He's on the Astros, great bullpen, should get him a decent number of wins. So um, that is all, um, uh, that's who I'd probably go with as my number two pitcher rest of season. Uh, so let's dive into Nola. Uh, is Nola back? Um, the the general answer is he's better, but he's not back to where he's been last year. I think the thing to note about last year's production for Nola is it was a huge step forward. A lot of the ratios were benefited greatly by uh, a high, a very suppressed BABIP. I think he had one of the lowest BABIPs. And there was a bunch of debate about whether he was lucky or unlucky um, with that Babbitt. But, um, you know, the thing about quality of contact is outside of a few really good 
players, like Nola doesn't have a particularly high fly ball rate, which generally suppresses BABIP. And so that should have been a little bit of a clue to us that it was going to be hard um, for him to continue that level right there. But anyways, let's dive into the numbers for Nola. 104 inning, uh, innings pitched, uh, 3.89 ERA, a 1.33 whip. 118k 118ks and that was 104 innings pitched a 411 Sierra a 381 xFIP the fastball velocity is at 93.3 no major difference from last year O swing at 30.5 percent here's where you're going to notice the difference and what I'll say is that Nola has been better recently but he is not nearly close to where he was last year so O swing at 30.5 percent so right around league average that's down three percent from last year so that's a trend in the wrong direction his first pitch strike rate is at 59.9 percent that's worse than league average that's almost a 10 percent drop in first pitch strike rate his zone percentage is at 40.6 percent that's well below league average he's at negative four percent or minus four percent from last year uh, year zone percentage his percent of pitches that are balls is at 34.9 percent 36.1 percent is league average for that and so he's slightly better than league average from his control metrics but this is really somewhere where um, Nola really excelled last year, and he has not so far this year. In-zone contact rate is at 87.8% for the season. That's 6% higher than he was last year. That's not good. His swinging strike rate is down 2.5% from last year to a paltry 9.6%. His CSW, though, is solid at 32.4%. And I think the key to note about Nola, and something that's really nice, is that he always gets a ton of called strikes, probably because of that great curveball that he has. And so when you look at CSW, he always performs much better at CSW than he does uh, at swinging strike rate. And so that's one thing that's, I think, important for Nola uh, to recognize is that you want to look at his CSW and not necessarily that swinging strike rate. The K-minus walk rate, 17.3%, so better than league average, but not elite. 26.5% K rate and a 9.2% walk rate. Uh, so walk rate higher than league average. The BABIP, as I mentioned, at 311. So it's not crazy. Um, overall, uh, league-wide BABIP, I think, is like 293 this year. So it's well above that. 78% um, strand rate. And the home run per fly ball rate is up 10% from last year at 17.3%. Uh, so clearly the ball also having an impact uh, on NOLA. His expected WOBA is 310, and his overall WOBA is 313. So, so far, he's kind of earned what he has been able to produce. And that's, you know, the 389 ERA isn't terrible, but that 133 whip, especially at the volume that he's producing, is uh, troublesome. The bat sees him as a 381 ERA moving forward with a 123 whip with 93 Ks and 90 innings pitch. So, pretty solid, particularly in the new context. Uh, and landscape of um, uh, of the new ball. Uh, his next two starts uh, at the New York Mets and then against uh, the Dodgers at home. Uh, so that last one, a little bit of a tough start, but um, the Mets should be uh, okay, especially in City Field. So, you know, Nola's season started horribly, um, and the year-over-year -year stats are not close to each other. Um, he really just hasn't been the same pitcher. Even when you look at his recent performance, the overall numbers aren't great. Um, you know, they're better than they have been, um, but they aren't um, terrific. And I think what he's been relying on uh, a lot 
um, is that he has a 222 BABIP over his last um, couple, his last five games. And so that's really what has improved his uh, performance so far. Um, and, you know, that's, that may seem like, oh, well, that's unsustainable, but really what it is is, 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 is just regression to the mean because earlier this year, um, he had a five-game stretch of a BABIP of 388 and another one of 390. They, were, they shared some games, but, you know, that's, that's terrible in the other direction. And so it's just kind of leveling it out. But as we've seen with the expected WOBA and the WOBA, he's right in line with, with what uh, the quality of contact and the strikeout and walk rates uh, would indicate so far. So to answer your question, no, Nola is not back to where he has been. I don't think he'll get back there. Um, this year, I think he's improving, but you know the ball is having the ball is having an impact, and it may be something that he struggled with earlier on in the season and continues to struggle with. But I think the major thing for him is that home run to fly ball rate, that seventeen point three percent, which is up ten percent from last year. Like that's huge when you couple that along with the BABIP. And the problem is, is that league wide home run per fly ball rate is at fourteen point seven percent, so it's not that crazy of a home run per fly ball percentage. All right, uh, next question. Who will be this year's Herman Marquez? We're at the point where he went off last year. This is from at Davithius. Uh, to be honest, I really think that we probably saw this year's Marquez, but not in the second half, in the first half, and that's with Lucas Giolito. Um, he had an incredible stretch there of, I don't know how many starts it was, like 10 starts or something like that, um, early on in this season where, you know, he just had, I think, like a sub two ERA. Uh, the skills were really, really nice. They weren't quite at the Marquez level, but he also didn't have to deal with uh, Coors Field. Uh, and so I think we've probably already seen that incredible stretch run that a non-elite pitcher goes through in Giolito. Um, you know, and if you own Giolito, then that was an awesome ride for sure. Um, you know, those types of uh, stretches don't come along very often because they do require some luck to happen pretty consistently. Um, but a, a few names that I would say as guys who... Um, you know, two guys that I would identify, and I'll throw in a couple other ones, just kind of throwing them in there, but uh, two possible second half breakouts that I would highlight just from a skills perspective. The first I'm going to cover later on, and that's Elisa uh, Hernandez of the Marlins. It's unclear whether he's even going to stay in the rotation for the Marlins beyond his uh, next start, which is uh, today when you're probably listening to this, but Thursday. Um, you know, he has demonstrated, and I'll cover it a little bit later, but just incredible skills so far in his four starts. Again, like the league will probably adjust and those will regress toward uh, whatever his true talent level is. But so far, um, those have been great. He's got a nice situation in terms of uh, a home park uh, with the Marlins. And so um, for Hernandez, I like him a lot moving forward. Again, like, is he going to go on a Marquez-like run? Probably not. Um, it's just not going to happen. Like from a volume perspective, very few pitchers have that uh, type of volume. And it's just very unlikely. But he is a guy that I like as kind of a second half breakout. Uh, if he can stay in the Marlins uh, rotation, as, as funny as that sounds to say. 
the, the other guy that I really like a lot, and again, the volume probably won't be there, but from a skills perspective, I've been very impressed with Griffin Canning so far. Swinging strike rate is really high. The O swing is solid. Um, the K minus walk rate is solid. The CSW is very good. Um, so all of the underlying skills are really, really good. And he hasn't been giving up an overwhelming amount of uh, really great con contact. And so I think what you need to get like a run like Marquez is you need the combination of those elite skills uh, combined with luck when it comes to quality of contact. So those are two guys. I also have Mike Clevenger here. It seems kind of like ridiculous to include him since he was like a top 15 pitcher heading into this year. But I really do think that he could also go off. Um, you know, the, the Indians are going to be playing a lot of AL Central opponents. Um, that bodes well for him. He has just been nasty when pitching outside of that huge blow up in his last time out. And so the expectations may have fallen enough where Clevenger putting out a, a second half breakout may be considered somewhat Marquez-esque, but it's important to note like Marquez was terrible. He was unrosterable in 15-team leagues back in the day. Uh, a couple other names that I would throw out there as guys who, who it is possible. Uh, the first one would be, then the next one would be Robbie Ray. Uh, Ray's um, strikeout skills have been really, really good recently. Um, his control metrics have actually been better. Quality of contact hasn't been great. Um, but, you know, again, if you can get some luck uh, in that respect, combined with um, <coughs> decent control and the strikeout potential we know he has, he could put together, you know, a second half like he did two years ago, which was really kind of Marquez-esque before Marquez happened. And then the last one that I would say, and this is like a shot in the dark, would be uh, Vince Velasquez. Um, I put up something on Twitter recently, but Velasquez, since returning to the rotation, again, the volume isn't necessarily there, but since returning to the rotation, he has been throwing his slider a lot more, and the slider has been doing a lot better. He's been throwing his four-seam fastball. He's been getting a lot more swinging strikes on that. He's always had a really good fastball, and so if he's able to combine that uh, with increased slider usage, um, then maybe you know there's the possibility that um, he could he could be kind of lights out here second half. But again, those are kind of shots in the dark there. Um, so that's Elisa Hernandez, Griffin Canning, Mike Clevenger as kind of a cop-out version, and then Vince Velasquez um, and Robbie Ray as guys who kind of are showing some really, really nice skills recently. Next question, Zanino has been a black hole in my lineup all year. Are there any catchers in deep leagues you'd like to target rest of season? This is from at TalkFBB. Um, this uh, is a good question because catchers have been really, really good this year uh, compared to what we were expecting. So it really depends on how deep of a league you're talking about and whether it's a one or a two catcher league. I'm going to assume that if you're in a one catcher league that you're in good shape. There has been enough production from catcher where, you know, if you have 12 or 15 catchers that are rostered in your league, um, you should you you should have one that's producing decent um, uh, production. Uh, there are some guys who have been doing really great things. And I think in most highly competitive, like 15 team leagues, for instance, they're already gone. But, uh, if, if you consider 12 teams, you know, deeper leagues, uh, they might not be, or they just might not be because they don't necessarily have the same name value. Uh, the first is Roberto Perez of the Indians. He's been really, really good from a quality of contact perspective with some improvements in plate discipline. James McCann has been really, really good 
as well um, and in a, in a pretty similar way, you know, improved walk rate. Uh, the K rate is a little high, but he's making solid quality of contact. So McCam with the White Sox. Brian McCann of the Braves has actually been playing uh, really well recently. Chance Cisco and Pedro Severino of the Orioles are actually a really good offensive catching uh, 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 tandem. And so if you are in a one catcher league and you have enough roster space, you could even have Cisco and Severino and just kind of rotate them in and out. That might actually be a really good um, uh, catching platoon there. Elias Diaz of the Pirates. Again, a lot of these guys are probably gone in more competitive leagues, but uh, Diaz has been really, really good. And in OBP leagues, he's actually been surprised. Uh, his walk rate has improved dramatically this year, as has his chase rate. Uh, Carson Kelly of the D-backs has been awesome, uh, especially recently. So he's another guy who people just may not have noticed how good he has been. Uh, and then another guy who has who was probably dropped earlier in the year, and, and I think people are going to hate me for saying this because I was on him earlier this year and he started out terribly, but that's Danny Jansen. Um, he's starting to hit 258 batting average, four home runs after his home run today uh, off of Chris Sale. He's got a nearly one-to-one strikeout and walk ratio. Um, his uh, o- OPS is around 800. So he had an atrocious start, so it's really hard to see that he's been doing well recently, but he has been. Um, he's a guy that I really like uh, second half moving forward. So hopefully that covers enough catchers for you at Talk FBB and that that's helpful for you. If not, uh, you know where to find me on Twitter and I will uh, dig even uh, deeper uh, for folks. Um, uh, or actually, uh, if you are looking for super deep guys, Kurt Casali of the Reds, he's kind of slowed down a little bit, but he's really taken over primary catching duty for the Reds. He's got some nice skills. He's a guy I picked up in one of my main events. Um, you know, he could be a deeper league option for the Reds, especially uh, since they start the second half in Coors. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt was somebody who was recommended by both T.A. Gates 99 and at Totemus Opolis. Um, I've covered Goldie a number of times recently, and so he's a very popular subject and popular request. So I'm not going to go into detail. If you are interested in the detail, there hasn't been a huge change since the last time I covered him. I think that's probably two or three weeks ago. So just look um, at the recent episodes uh, and that should give you a good sense. Um, Guys like Goldie, when they struggle, you know, your second round pick pretty much, uh, they pose huge challenges. That's pretty obvious, but you know, you really need, you were counting on their production. They haven't produced, but really your best bet. And in a lot of situations, especially in deeper leagues, your only bet is to stick with them because it's challenging to find somebody on the waiver wire uh, that is uh, that can outproduce them, um, and it's also unlikely to find somebody who's going to be on the waiver wire who's more likely to produce at a greater level than they are. And what I mean by that is, if you look at um, you know, uh, if you look at what the expectation might be for Goldschmidt, like if you look at the fifty fiftieth percentile, fiftieth median percentile. You know, so like, let's look at the bat rest of season projection is 282, 17 home runs, 49 runs, 49 RBI, um, four stolen bases. I don't know if I believe that, but, um, you know, if you look at that, that's the 50% median projection. If you take guys that you're picking up on the waiver wire and you look at their 50th percent median projection, it's not going to be as good in the vast majority of instances. And so what you're really doing is picking up a guy from the waiver wire and hoping that he does better than 
his skills so far would indicate that he should. And that's certainly possible, but it's unlikely. And so in the vast majority of these types of instances, unless there's a major problem with Goldschmidt and there really isn't a hugely identifiable problem with him, your best bet is just to stick around um, and really hope that he goes on a Manny Machado-like run sometime soon where, you know, he hits five or six home runs in a week, you know, hits 400 to 500 in that week, and all of a sudden he's closer to what you were expecting uh, than not. If we look at his more recent production for Goldschmidt over the last 30 games, you know, there's some good uh, good news there, um, and that's that the plate discipline has been getting better, especially recently. The contact rate is also up. That was a challenge earlier this year with Goldschmidt. The challenge is that the ground ball percentage is also up. It's near 50% over the last month, and his expected wOBA over that time is 301. So some positive movement, some negative negative movement. The one thing that I would say is, again, like the 50% medium projection from a projection system, which is always, you know, the most trustworthy thing that you can look at is still good for the rest of the year. And so I think your best bet is just to continue to stick with Goldie. You're not going to get probably even in a trade what you were anticipating unless it's a Cardinals fan who's super optimistic or something like that. So you can always pedal him and see what you can get. But um, I think at this point in time, you're just sticking with Goldie and hope for that Machado-like run or even a Goldie-like run like he pr- produced uh, last year. Uh, the next one is uh, Cesar Hernandez and Dansby Swanson, and this comes from at Dan Holm, 828-98631. Dan, you really got to do something about uh, that Twitter handle. Uh, I mentioned this previously on the Twitter handle. I think it was to... Um, our buddy, I want to say it's Stephen Cohen, but, um, you know, having that type of handle makes me think that you're a Russian bot. And so, you know, unless that, that number has some sort of meaning to you, um, and it could, and I apologize if, if it does, and, and, uh, I have hurt your feelings at any, uh, in any way, but Dan, you got to change that Twitter handle, add your favorite, you know, team and the year you were born or something like that. But, Right now, it feels like a Russian bot handle, and so uh, uh, do a little do a little work, update that handle, and I think you'll be in good shape. All right, uh, Cesar Hernandez, two eighty three batting average, three thirty eight OBP, forty one runs, seven home runs, thirty seven RBI, five stolen bases. He's five for six on stolen bases this year, a three forty six uh, in three hundred forty six plate appearances. His O swing at 30.4%, that's actually a 10% increase in his chase rate. Hernandez is normally among the league leaders, but not this year. Um, His walk percentage as a result is down 6% at 6.4%. That's below uh, league average. And and the challenge there is that's one of the the great things about Hernandez has been that OBP. Um, He's just been really, really great. And you combine that with the number of plate appearances that he normally puts up and the fact that he has previously been at the top of the lineup, and he normally produced, uh, you know, some pretty good numbers, but um, the Z contact and the overall contact are still really, they're still elite, above 90% on the end zone contact and uh, 85% on the contact. The CSW is low, the K rate is super low at 12.7%. Hard hit rate is up 8% actually at 32.1%, still below league average because he's not a power guy. Ground ball rate at 46.7%. Again, with a guy like Hernandez, what you're really hoping is that he gets on base, that he steals some bases, that he scores a ton of runs, and that he doesn't hurt you too much in power categories. And I think the challenge with um, 
with Hernandez is that after he struggled, he went through a really bad month. Um, he's had a couple heaters in between that or on either side of that. Um, but he's been, uh, you know, overall, he's been solid. I think the challenge is that now that he's batting towards the end of the lineup with Scott Kingery being uh, so hot, um, is that the run total is going to be lower. The RBI total might be slightly higher. But, you know, with the Phillies and, and the depth of the lineup that they have, I think that's also limiting the number of stolen bases that he is attempting. And so we see five so far, you know, this year. Um, and, you know, so he's not going to be necessarily at that 15% or 15 stolen base level that maybe you were hoping that he would be at this year. The StatCast data, as we would expect, isn't that great. 312 expected WOBA, slightly worse than league average. Um, 327 Woba, 274 expected batting average, 283 batting average, seven barrels, 2% barrels per plate appearance, 107.1 exit uh, mile per hour max exit velo. Looking at his the bat rest of season projection, 272 batting average, 348 OBP, 40 runs, six home runs, 29 RBI, and six stolen bases. You put that all together and still from where you were drafting him, it's solid production, right? You're talking about uh, you know, uh, well above league average batting average, uh, well above league average OBP, uh, 80 plus runs, uh, you know, double digit home runs, double digit stolen bases, uh, and then, you know, 60 or so uh, RBI for uh, Hernandez. So not a bad return. That's about what you should have been expecting head into the year. So I think, you know, he was really, really bad for a stretch there, but I think it's just the normal variance that we see in a season He's been much better of late. His schedule after the All-Star break uh, at home against uh, Washington and the Dodgers and then at Pittsburgh. Um, So, you know, again, he's more valuable in OBP leagues, but uh, Hernandez, even in average leagues, is solid. And and I think, you know, you just kind of keep him in there in 12-team leagues and and above. Uh, Dansby Swanson is the next guy that was recommended. Um, Swanson, you know, we've covered him a couple times as well already in the podcast. So what I'll just say is that he continues to do what he has done uh, throughout this year, and that is show improved plate discipline over last year, where his uh, chase rate is much better than league average now uh, compared to worse than league average in previous seasons. He's making better quality of contact. We see that in elevated barrel rate. We see that in his expected WOBA. And he's been doing it for a half now, and he's been pretty consistent at it. So I would just continue to expect a lot of the same from Swanson, if not a little bit of an improvement um, in the production, given the fact that it's getting warmer and he plays in Atlanta. All right, the last guy that I am going to cover on this kind of abbreviated podcast, I will get to the other recommendations um, over the weekend probably, is uh, Ellie Sir uh, Hernandez, who is requested by at the biz 32 um, And I, uh, Ellie Sir Hernandez, as I mentioned, when I talked about like the Marqueses of this year, I just love what I've seen so far. So in 24 and a third innings pitched, uh, Hernandez has a 407 ERA, a 111 whip, and 26 strikeouts in those 24.1 innings pitched, a 396 Sierra, and a 438 XFIP. Now that doesn't sound great. Uh, His fastball velocity is at 92 mile per hour, and while that is not great, it is higher than it was last year. But here's where it gets really good. So here are the skills. The O-swing is absolutely elite at 40.8%, 10% better than league average. The first pitch strike rate is also better than league average at 66.3%. 
The zone percentage is worse than league average at 41.7%, but when you combine that with the O-swing percentage, the percent of pitches that is ball are balls that uh, Hernandez throws is 30% compared to 36.1% league average. And so, you know, he's throwing a lot less balls than league average, so you'd expect those control metrics to be really nice. And we see that with a 5.9% walk rate, well below league average. His in-zone contact rate is at 80.7%. That's 4% better than league average or or lower than league average, which is really good. His swinging strike rate is at 14.2%, which is elite. His called plus swinging strike rate is at 32.8%, which puts him in the top 10, um, if not the top five, I think over the last month uh, among starting pitchers. His K minus walk rate is at 19.8% with a 25.7% K rate and a 5.9% walk rate. And I actually think that K rate is lower than it should be at 25.7%. Uh, guys with similar swinging strike rates and CSWs are around 30% for a K rate. And so if you were to combine that with a better than league average walk rate, then you're looking at like a 25%, you know, 24, 25% K minus walk rate, which would be absolutely sensational. Babip at 270, left on base percentage at 72.7%. Um, fly Home run per fly ball roots rate slightly below league average at 13.8%. But with higher strikeout rate, I would expect the strand rate to be a little bit better. The BABIP is low, but when you look at the expected WOBA versus the WOBA, a 259 expected WOBA compared to a 302 WOBA. So he is underperforming his expected WOBA by a lot. And I think that's partially because you know the, those Ks are uh, lower, but also because he's gotten maybe a little bit unlucky on contact. And so I think for all of those reasons, I think even though Hernandez has been kind of, he's been kind of meh so far. I mean, he's been solid. But I think there could be um, better production ahead. And so the question will be just whether he can continue to produce these skills, probably not at the same level, but whether you know the, the outcomes will start to meet uh, the skills versus you know the quality of contact uh, turning bad or something like that. Because I think the skills are legit. And I think one of the reasons is that his slider has just been awesome. It's been filthy, 26.7% swinging strike rate. 38% chase rate. You know, his four seam is generating a 10.2% swinging strike rate. So that helps keep that swinging strike rate super elevated. And his changeup, which is his third pitch. Now it doesn't have a great swinging strike rate on it, but it has been producing at least from an outcome perspective, from a WRC plus perspective, um, well better than league average, I think a 55 WRC plus. So it'll be interesting to see whether that can continue, but I really like Hernandez, especially since he isn't owned in most 12-team leagues, um, probably even 15-team leagues. Um, in NFBC team, in NFBC leagues, he's pretty much gone in 15-teamers, but in some of the less uh, competitive or at least like less, um, where there's less, uh, you know, maybe not as many people are continuing to pay attention, uh, where there's an, as high of a buy-in uh, to keep people's attention, um, you know, he may be uh, elig- he may be available. The bat doesn't like him that much moving forward, a 4-6 ERA, a 1-3-2 whip, 35 Ks and 36 innings pitched. Again, you know, he hasn't been pitching for that long with these skills, but if he's able to continue producing what he's produced um, in a larger sample size, then I think that that projection will change. The next two starts uh, at Washington uh, tomorrow, or I'm recording this late at night on Wednesday, so Thursday, and then at home against the Mets. Um, so he is a guy that I really, really like moving forward. So um, that is um, some mailbag questions, some guys, you know, some guys who will be owned, who may be struggling or doing well. 
um, some guys who may be lesser owned, who you may want to target. Um, hope that uh, hope that mailbag uh, answers were um, helpful. As always, if you do have any mailbag questions, feel free to um, uh, just reach out to me on Twitter. You can ask away. Uh, you can reach out to me via d- DMs, uh, whatever your preference is. That is going to wrap us up for episode 82 of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Covered a lot of ground, some Edwin Encarnacion, um, some Daniel Murphy, Austin Meadows, Aaron Nola, uh, the next Herman Marquez, backup catchers or catcher twos, Paul Goldschmidt, Cesar Hernandez, Dansby Swanson, Elisir Hernandez. Um, so hopefully, um, hopefully that is, that, that is useful, but, um, if it, if it wasn't, uh, for whatever reason, um, hit me up next time, uh, every single week I put out a, uh, a tweet, uh, asking for recommendations for players. Um, definitely, uh, hit me up there, respond to that tweet. I try to cover as many of those folks as possible, um, especially the ones that are particularly rev- relevant at any given time. So, Uh, definitely hit me up there. If you do enjoy the podcast, still hit me up there. It's not just for folks who are not enjoying the podcast and want to have their player covered. So definitely hit me up there. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I hope everybody has a wonderful uh, 4th of July, um, a great uh, all-star break that you're able to recharge the batteries a little bit, maybe do a little team analysis, see where you're at, see what you need to do moving forward, maybe some moves if you're in trade leagues that you need to do, or maybe letting go of some guys or adding some guys on the waiver wire who have been hot recently, whatever it is. Uh, Definitely enjoy this little hiatus that we have. I know I definitely miss baseball when it's happening, uh, being able to track teams on a nightly basis, but I also think that I am uh, somewhat crazy when it comes to that. So Uh, Anyways, uh, best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Best of luck with your holiday, your all-star break, your home run derby watching. Take care and be kind to one another.